Well, being uh, 8.30, we have uh, Mr Peter J Black in the studio as usual. Uh, good morning once again. Good morning, Andrew. We'll have to talk a lot about the election, I think, duty-bound. I think so. Um, but just before we get into that, because uh, we'd probably go on all day once we, we get started we on that, so I've mentioned a few other things, a few other online EIT app-type things. Um, possibility to uh, make it easier to erase yourself from the internet, or at least most of it. A uh, new website helps you do that. new website helps you do that. It's called justdelete.me. Uh, and what it aims to do really is, as, as you say, is to, is to guide people through the process of removing themselves from, if not just you know, the whole internet, but certainly specific social media sites. Because what you will find if, you, if you've ever tried to remove yourself or delete an account on some, from some of these platforms, I mean, Facebook's probably... Uh, the worst of them in terms of how difficult it is to do it. It's not an easy process. They deliberately make it quite difficult uh, for you to delete your accounts uh, and also to delete the associated data with those accounts. Uh, and so what Just Delete me uh, wants to do uh, is to try and make it easier. So if you go to that site, uh, you choose the the various platforms or social media accounts that you wish to delete, uh, it points you directly to where you need to go uh, to be able to do that. It also gives you some indication as to how hard or easy it will be uh, to be able to uh, delete uh, that, uh, that, that, that account. So, for example, if you go there, you'll find that it's fairly easy to delete yourself from something like uh, PayPal or IMDB, the Instant Movie Database, but it's virtually impossible uh, to delete, for example, your Netflix account or your Pinterest account. Uh-huh. Um, they're pretty much going to stay there forever, no matter uh, what steps you go through to try and remove it. That sounds a bit unreasonable. But uh, not much you can do about it, I guess. It's not much you can do about it. I mean, I, I, and their their defence is when you sign up to the account, you know, you click I agree to their terms of service, and in yep. that terms of service, it basically tells you all of this. But of course, no one Research. reads the fine print. No. Yes, well, that's just delete.me. Helps erase you from some of the internet anyway, or makes it a little bit easier for you. Uh, apps that have been around a while, Instapaper and Pocket, you're, you're wanting to draw our attention back to these things? Yes, I am. Instapaper and Pocket are two brilliant apps, in my opinion. They both mm-hmm. basically do the same thing. They're known as a read-it-later service. So what it is is when you come across a link or something that, that you want to read, be it on Twitter or when you're browsing the web or in a whole range of different apps, mm-hmm. but you don't want to read it then because you don't have time, or you're on a mobile device and you'd rather read it uh, when you had a, you know, a bigger screen to be able to work with, you just sort of save it to read later. And Instapaper and both Pocket allow you to do this. When you go in and uh, check your accounts on those platforms, they present the information in a very easy-to-read way. You know, they strip it of advertisements and uh, other sorts of annoying things that can distract from your reading. They've both been around for a while. Uh, they're both having, or they both had some big announcements in the last week that indicate that it might be worth having a second look at them. Uh, Pocket has announced integration with Kobo, uh, 
that uh, e-book reader that's sort of the main rival to Kindle mm-hmm. uh, so that you can access your saved articles very easily on Kobo. Uh, Instapaper has got a brand new web interface, a brand new website, uh, new mobile apps are apparently coming soon and uh, it's also worth checking out. Personally, I'm a huge fan of Instapaper over Pocket. That's the, that's the mm-hmm. camp that I fall into. Right. Um, but uh, they're, both, they're both excellent services. Another one one, the third sort of big player in the space is something called Readability. Uh-huh. Um, but they haven't had any big announcements in my last week, so I didn't mention them. Okay. You did want to mention also Kevin Spacey's speech on the future of television. Uh, why would anybody pay attention to a speech by Kevin Spacey? That's probably a fair question as to why anyone would. But they uh, have. But they have. It's generated mm-hmm. a huge amount of discussion online. So Kevin Spacey was talking on the future of television and I suppose the main reason as to why he got this speech gig and as to why his opinion seems to be valued on this topic is that he was the star of The House of Cards Mm -hmm. which was Netflix's first foray into creating its own content for its uh, online uh, streaming service for films and television and so I suppose that's the hook as to why people are are caring. But he gave this speech at the Edinburgh International Television uh, Festival Mm -hmm. where he basically said that the existing business model that film and TV use is failing Mm -hmm. uh, and that in many ways we shouldn't even continue to talk about film and television as being separate concepts uh, and, and that in many ways we should be getting rid of them and that the the important thing that we should be focusing on is content uh, and stories irrespective of how it is presented or delivered be it on television be it on the cinema screen or be it increasingly online through mm-hmm. services uh, like Netflix and th- he's probably right in, in the sense that that is I think a growing part of the future of entertainment. But I probably don't agree that film and TV as entities are quite dead yet mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, 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 are, and are effectively meaningless. But it's, it certainly has sparked uh, a lot of debate about the future of television. And, and Netflix is, is really on fire at the moment uh, in, in terms of its own original programming that, that's generating a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Now, one other issue that's uh, ever-evolving with the use of uh, online uh, downloading, etc., for songs and videos and the like... Uh, is the copyright aspects and uh, Choice Magazine, Australian Consumers Association, launching a bit of a campaign about uh, copyright law in Australia and uh, how we uh, many people inadvertently breach it just by doing uh, run-of-the-mill daily things. This is a problem or is this just something that um, could be a problem if the law was enforced? Well, that's probably... Uh a more accurate way of stating it. I mean, they've done some research that does indicate that very high percentages of Australian uh, Australians would be basically breaching uh, copyright law on their sort of day-to-day use of digital media. So there indicates that something like 50% of 
um, consumers are probably um, breaking Australian copyright law, believing that it is legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the main sort of example that they give is uh, converting a DVD that you may have to be able to watch on your iPad. So changing the file formats, basically burning or ripping the DVD so that you can do that. Now, a lot of people would have thought that that might be legal, but it's not. Now, that indicates that the Copyright Act is out of sync with current consumer behaviour, and that that probably is, you would have thought, a good reason for copyright law reform. But as you say, Andrew, the law is not enforced here. The People aren't going around being sued or fined for doing that. But it still, I think, is, and, and I, I would say this just as... As a, as, a, as a lawyer as well as someone who I, I just think has some common things. sense, though. You, you don't want the law to be out of sync. With we had this law uh, that it was technically illegal to video a TV program for years, and yes. people still did it, and they have changed the law now. Yeah, uh, same with using a cassette tape to tape your, tape your vinyl record. It was never enforced in that way, but wouldn't this law never be enforced in the way people just uploading their stuff to the cloud or whatever but uh, if it was made legal it would make it more easy for people potentially to circumvent uh, the real value of copyright law by um, file sharing in the cloud or things like that no i don't i don't think i don't think that's right mm-hmm. uh, you, i mean as you say you are right that that the, the the law that allowed the proper use of your VCR and your iPod and all those sorts of things only came into place in 2006. Even though mm-hmm. people have been doing it for decades, certainly in the in the case of uh, the case of VCRs. But I, I I don't think it's fair to say that by changing the law to better reflect or more accurately reflect consumer practice is somehow going to make it easier to circumvent greater copyright infringement Mm. uh, because the law would always make that distinction. Now, what choice is calling for, though, which I think is most, uh, most interesting and most relevant, is that so far Australia's copyright law has dealt with these sorts of matters by creating very specific exceptions within the law mm-hmm. that relate to different forms of media and when you can make copies and uh, can only be for sort of private use. And the difficulty of that is every time that a new technology comes along, uh, technically, the, the, in many ways, the law needs to be changed. Mm. And law always lags behind technology and politicians are always... There's, they've got bigger issues in many ways than, you know, updating provisions of the Copyright Act every time mm. some new technology comes along, and that's why you see these long lags. Now, what choice is calling for is the introduction of a more flexible exception mm. within the Copyright Act called fair use, mm-hmm. uh, which would basically leave it up to the courts and judges to respond to these changing technologies to work out what the boundaries and the contours of the exception should be. Fair use is a principle in American copyright law that is well established and has done a good job of reflecting this for uh, some time. And so the suggestion that's come from the Australian Law Reform Commission at the moment in their review of copyright laws is that we should consider introducing this fair use exception and and choices now sort of leading the public campaign to generate support for that and uh it is something that i would also lend my support to
Hmm. Some would be a little bit imprecise, though. We have to wait for some court decisions to determine how it, what it actually means in practice. That 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 there there is that risk that it can be a little bit imprecise. So you do need to sometimes wait for these court decisions to filter uh, through. You just love court but decisions, don't you? No, no, I, I I don't. But I I think that that is a better situation than having the law sometimes decades out of date. Hmm. All right, we'll see how that one goes. I'm talking with Mr Peter J Black about the uh, usual range of uh, online and cultural issues. Right, we're talking with Mr Peter J Black again and election. Election 2013, finally almost upon us, six days to go. Pre-polls have been happening for a week, so quite a few votes have already happened. About 10% apparently. Yeah, it uh, gets more and more each election. Mm. I, I, I think I'll do a pre-poll, even though I, um, just so I can really take my time over the Senate ballot paper. We'll need to take uh, your time over the Senate ballot yeah, paper. 82 candidates and, uh, yeah, a few, quite a few different online things, uh, more and more each election, I guess, that uh, some of them information, some of them... Uh, uh, resources uh, and there's a few dedicated specifically to try and help people uh, decide or figure out in advance, clarify who they're going to vote for if they want to vote below the line in the Senate. For those uh, listeners that don't know, you have the Senate ballot paper, which is quite long. I think it'd be about three feet long, I'd mm. say. I've seen a couple around of people who've got post had postal votes. And uh, 36 groups, so 36 columns, 82 candidates, uh, easily the most uh, that has ever been in a Senate contest in Queensland. There's over 100 candidates in uh, New South Wales and Victoria. Mm. And uh, a few online uh, sites that are helping people to uh, vote below the line. If you vote above the line, you just put one in one box and uh, that then distributes the preferences according to uh, the group voting ticket, preference ticket lodged by the relevant party that you put your number one in. But uh, if you want to control precisely where they go, so they go precisely where you want them to, a few things around to help you to do it, such as... a few things around. So there's uh, a website called belowtheline.org.au that... Uh, basically allows you to go through and to create your below-the-line preferences so you can um, sort of fill out the ballots before you go so that you can maybe print out a copy or put a copy on your phone so you're not nervously uh, thinking about where you're going to put or you're going to put at number 17 or you're going to put at number 18 below the line. Mm. Uh, Another one, so that's belowtheline.org.au. Another one called uh, uh, senate.io does a very similar thing uh, in terms of helping you create your below-the-line votes or preferences beforehand. Mm. Uh, A more interesting one, perhaps, something called clueyvoter.com. clueyvoter.com, in addition to uh, helping you plan how you're going to vote below the line uh, helps you come up with your own preferences uh, in terms of beforehand uh, you can go through and indicate your support for various different groups 
mm-hmm. uh, using this online sort of tool or form that they give you, and it will then generate more or less for you some below-the-line preferences for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, probably belowtheline.org.au or senate.io uh, are best if you have a pretty good idea in your own head as to mm-hmm. how it is you want to allocate your preferences below the line. If you're not totally sure um, but have sort of some clues, then perhaps uh, uh, com is the best tool for you. Now, it is worth remembering, or a few sort of uh, points of reassurance, if you are wanting to vote below the line in the Senate, and I always think it's nice to vote below below the line in the Senate. I find it empowering to be able to fill in those boxes, number one, uh, to 82. But a lot of people sort of get nervous and intimidated about it for fear that they may stuff something up. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is worth remembering that you can sort of hedge your bets so you can vote put one above the line and also vote below the line Uh, and what that will do is if you've stuffed up below the line it'll still revert then to your above the line vote so it's not as though you're going your vote's not going to count if you get something wrong the other thing is even if you do get something wrong um the legislation says that you only have to get 90 percent um of you only have to fill in 90 percent of the squares right uh, and you are allowed up to three sequencing errors Okay. So, uh, so again, there's also some room to manoeuvre. So don't be too worried that you're going to do something wrong and all of a sudden your vote's not going to count. Yeah, so three mistakes and uh, leave eight or so blank and you'll still be right. You'll still be right, even if you're voting below the line. But And if you're still worried, you can still vote above the line as well and that can be the fallback position. I've tried all of these ones. I, want, I, I find senate.io the most... Uh, user-friendly of those, but uh, perhaps depends a bit on uh, how clear you are in your own mind about what you want to do. I went through them all uh, myself last night, and um, there's a hell of a lot of extremist, ratbag, right-wing horrors that deserve to go last. But uh, It's always tricky to work out who you're going to put last. In many ways, it's much easier to work out who you're going to put first in those mm. first sort of few positions, but... Uh, working out who you're going to put right at the very end is tricky. Yeah, I, I, the libs <laughs> end up being um, over in the top half. With right, so many yeah. horrible rows. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, grim stuff. And uh, very significant, of course, the Senate election outcome, and Queensland could be a pivotal state in uh, shifting the balance of power or not um, towards uh, Tony Abbott and right-wingedness if uh, the Bob Catter party candidate gets up instead of the Greens. Or, but uh, we'll see all that. And I'm also increasingly up. thinking that um, the Clive Palmer party might. Yeah, there was a poll that said he'd got uh, his vote had been increasing. Mm, in I've just, there's, it, there's, it's been really high profile. You know, there's been a lot of advertisements in the last sort of week or so. On TV. On TV. Yeah, I haven't um, seen any, but that probably just... <laughs> you have to actually watch the TV first. And, and the other thing that I've noticed as well, just talk, walking past a pre-poll voting place every day mm. of the week, uh, is there's always a strong presence okay. of the yellow outside and talking to other people who've been w- working other... Um, pre-poll booths, there's, uh, again, always a strong Palmer preference, which makes me think that on the day itself, he mm. will have people everywhere. Probably got all his staff out there. Probably got his staff out. He's probably paying them as well, whereas everyone else sort of relies on volunteers. But uh, all of those sorts of things make me think that his vote, uh, particularly in the Senate, may be, may be higher than I'd originally thought. Hmm. Well, that that could influence um, Cato versus Greens as well mm. um, in unexpected ways, I believe. Mr Palmer's party's put the Greens ahead of Mr Cato's party. 
And a head of Labour and Liberal in the Senate. That's good. Well, it is if you're keen for the Greens. Yes. But, um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, of course, I have my personal view, but um, being uh, dispassionate, disinterested, non-partisan in this particular moment. A few other election resources. Uh, there's one particularly trying to uh, collect and then uh, uh, publish uh, as many campaign leaflets, election leaflets, as they can. Uh, so if you've got a bunch of bump in your letterbox, you can always send it off to these people. Yeah, electionleaflets.org.au. It's a really interesting resource to see all the various different election leaflets that are being, you know, delivered to mailboxes across the country. It's also a good transparency tool and accountability tool as well in terms of keeping everyone honest to have this sort of information up there. So it's quite a valuable resource, really. So if you have got something, you can go and upload uh, screenshots or photos that you may have taken of these leaflets, but also go and, and check them out as well, particularly mm. if you're undecided as to how you want to vote in your particular seat but if, and you have just been throwing out the, the garbage that you get in your mailbox but are now beginning to think you'd like to at least see what they're saying, it's mm. not a bad resource to, to go and check out. Another one that's seeking input from voters is one called Booth Reviews, uh, which is uh, not actually about politics. It's about the um, the friendliness or otherwise of uh, the various polling booths around the country. This is a great little tool. I really like this. I Disclosure, uh, two friends of mine run it, so I'm uh-huh. a little bit biased here, but boothrev.net. Mm-hmm. The theory behind boothrev.net is that when you go along to cast your vote on polling day, you also go to this site and basically post a review of the whole experience. Uh, are the queues long? How was your sausage at the sausage sizzle? Mm-hmm. Um, Any vegetarian options? Vegetarian options. Were there, you know, pikelets, free pikelets, those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Uh, and, and it's this uh, user-generated database of uh, material there for all the polling places. And they've run it now at, a, uh, at the last federal election the last state election as well and they've actually got really good community input in in, in terms of the 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 data that it does and information that it does generate Uh, Mm -hmm. so check it out particularly on the day itself because it really does that's the 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 day that it really counts i mean you can go back and look at sort of archived information in terms of various different booths but where it really shines is on the day itself you might be you know around lunchtime wanting to work out where you're going to go and you want to know if you can, you know, buy a cake or get the sausage sizzle or if the lines are really long or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. uh, you can go to boothrev.net and find out all of that information in real time. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of all these online-y things, uh, use of social media itself, Twitter, Facebook, etc., Instagram, blah, 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 uh, is it actually swinging votes this time around, making more of a difference, or is, is the the massive mainstream media conglomeration and the Murdoch massacre of everyone who isn't Tony Rudd. Tony Rudd. Tony Rudd. Kevin Rudd. (laughs) Totally uh, overpowering everything else. 
Uh, is social media making a difference in the election? The conventional wisdom is no. That no. seems to be what most co- academics and commentators are saying, that where social media thrives in other countries and as to why it's so important for elections in other countries, particularly the United States and the UK, is in terms of the get-out-the-vote campaign, mm-hmm. getting people to the polls. That's where it's important. Now, because we have compulsory voting in Australia, in theory everyone has to vote, yeah. uh, there's not that same urge or, or need for social media what I, what I, where I do think social media is important in terms of how people are going to vote is not through the channels of communication that are coming from the parties you know, not through Kevin Rudd on Twitter or not through the official Liberal Party Facebook page or whatever it may be but I do think it is important in terms of what your friends are saying about the election on social media, uh, I, I do actually think you are people are probably. And this is my gut feeling. I haven't actually seen any research on this, so I, mm-hmm. I could be wrong. And I think research should be being done on this, and I hope somewhere it is uh, <laughs> that people are influenced by what their friends and family are saying right. about the election on social media, and that in many ways you do take your cues from what your friends and family are saying, thinking, believing, commentating, or whatever it is. And that may be influencing votes. It's uh, a way to get um, see stories you wouldn't otherwise see. That's true. Well, get spread them around. But that depends very much probably on also who your friends are. Like, mm. your friends and my friends are probably quite politically motivated and are sharing political stories. Not as much as they should be. Uh, <laughs> whereas I imagine that... For the majority of people, their friends aren't necessarily as politically motivated and those sorts of things aren't necessarily being shared. Hmm. Well, one could share a news story that I saw not too long ago that Tony Abbott's confirmed he's not going to release all his costings till Thursday, which just happens to be after the electronic advertising ban comes into force. Yes. I think is the most pathetic, outrageous, disgraceful thing that merits four days of relentless negative media attacking this disgraceful lack of transparency and contempt for the Australian voter. Don't you agree? Yes. Good. See? Well, you know. I do agree. Well, I do. Well, look, I, look I, I, I don't... Look, I probably don't have the same sense of outrage that you do because I'm not surprised. Mm. Uh, but I do think it is very poor that those costings are going to be released, first of all, so late in the campaign. So there's not the ample opportunity for public scrutiny of those costings. Uh, and secondly, by, by releasing them so late in, in the campaign that it is... Uh, after the the the, the, t- the TV and radio blackout comes into effect, which means you won't be having uh, advertisements on TV and radio in the last few days before the uh, election t- takes place. They won't be able then to be in effect, I suppose, the, the negative or the critical campaign that would normally be associated with those sorts of costings, whatever they were to say. Mm. Um, but it is... It's... it's Typical expected behaviour. It is expected behaviour, and to be honest, both major parties do it. Not as bad. Uh, I, 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 I'm being non-partisan here. I'm being basically totally factual, but um, the, the coalition have been far worse in terms of providing costings, which they have had and can have produced, can have yes. got for months. But anyway, on that note, we shall um, 
Shall need to wind up. Yes. Sad lines happening again after this tune. And uh, we'll be back next week on Monday and uh, survey the results. Survey the results. What are you tipping, by the way? I'm tipping an Abbott win with a Senate with balance of power in the hands of right-wingers and Nick Xenophon. That sounds about right. Yep. Sounds grim. If you want to do your bit to make it not happen, then vote not that way. (laughs) (laughs) And help people out on polling booth. It does make a difference. It shouldn't. Hanging out how to vote cars. Can't figure out how anyone actually needs them, but they do. It does make a difference. So if you want to help a party that's not that one, then um, I'm sure they'd be happy to have your services handing out on polling booths, and you can put in a review on... Boothrev.net. Okay. Thank you. Enjoy the final week.